That's better. Uh, man, I can't believe we lost all of that. Well, that was a good warm up. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Right. Uh, how far? How far in were we? I don't know, but we'll probably just go half an hour. Yeah, something like that. It was a good warm up though. Yeah. Um, we're not yeah. the fat. Um, your microphone's very loud now for some reason. Uh oh, I don't know. I mean, I I can try turning it down. I don't know if I can turn it turn it down. Is that getting lower? No. No. Hmm. I can push it farther away. Maybe. Back back there. Can you still okay. hear me? Okay. I can Is hear that you. Good? That sounds good. Yeah, it's all right. All right. Just pushed it back a bit. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> uh, Bolton part two, take two. Yeah, we're having some uh, interesting uh, fun. <laughs> yeah, and it looks like it's on my end. It's the internet connection where I am in Atlanta, just not fast enough to keep up with this sizzling conversation. Well, the world is online at the moment, I guess, you know. Um, so. Yeah, it's, it's the day after Boxing Day. Well, when is the world never online? I mean, everything's online now. So yeah. you know, let's just assume everything's always being pounded with the bandwidth. So. Yeah, it's shitty. But there we go. That is the joy of running a podcast. Is trying to <laughs> uh, with laugh, and, laugh riot. Uh, yeah. The never ending up and down of internet recording. Yeah. Well, what can you do? So it goes. Yeah, just soldier on. Yeah, it is the it is the English way. One tries one's best. Uh, so basically, um, yeah, Bolton Part Two. Um, the conversation was very very different from the first one, which was basically about visual effects and how it isn't always grass is greener kind of situation. Everyone just assumes, yeah, which in and of itself was was a rather different uh, subject for us to to cover. <clears throat> well, it was because. I think practical people have typically thought of digital stuff as kind of like kind of swanning in and just kind of like, like stealing all the good work from practical effects and they're having a great time. And it isn't like that at all. It's not like that at all. Um, no. And you know, it's, 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 it's work and it's a different kind of thing. But uh, anyway, you listen to the first one to, to find out what I'm about. That's not really the, the point of this one. Part two was, was completely different. Part two was mm -hmm. about uh, confidence and, and particularly self-confidence and, and why, why it matters, how to build it, and what we think the uh, the destructors are that break it down. Yeah, and interesting, uh, interestingly enough, um, the idea for this topic was brought up by a student in the Bolton uh, makeup effects course when we were um, at the prosthetics event having our during our conversation with Jake Garber. Yes. And yeah, we thought this is something that we definitely need to talk about. Yeah. Cause when you affects, look at it affects us all. Yeah. Cause when you look at Jake, you know, he seems as he should being an onset supervisor, very tall, very confident, very powerful. Um, and whether or not he would agree with that assessment, the point is that's the perception. And I think perception is such an important aspect of this because how you think about yourself will affect how you carry yourself. And, in a weird way, it has a lot to do possibly with how people see you, but people often imagine how they are perceived rather than how they are perceived. And so they may obsess mm -hmm. about the wrong things. You know what I mean? People, yeah. people who need to do one thing actually obsess about something else, uh, thinking that that will be the thing that makes them improve. And actually, you know, no, it's the other thing you need to worry about, you know, so. 
and and while this is not a solitary business, there are many, many times when we do work alone. And yeah. when we're working alone, some of those demons can can creep out mm-hmm. and attack us. And we have no support mechanism in place when we're working alone to to battle those, to, yeah. to make them go away and let us see that it's okay to feel that you're not good enough, uh, to feel that your work is not good enough. You know, it's, it's something that happens to all of us and it's going to continue to happen to all of us as long as we keep working in this field. Mm-hmm. And that actually is a good thing because it lets us know that we're on the right track. We've talked about, about this before that, you know, we're always needing to push ourselves outside of our comfort zone. Yeah. And it's that, it's that dis- sense of discomfort that lets us know that something's working because it should always be a pursuit of perfection. Uh, we never will really get there. Mm. It's always going to be a journey. It's never going to, we'll never, we'll never get to that destination. And that's yes. okay. That doesn't mean, you know, that your work isn't good. It's just that it can be better, always be better, no matter how good you are. Yeah. Well, it's, <clears throat> it's interesting you say about whether your work is good, because I think, as you pointed out, one of the things is, is it good enough? Is the client happy? Because if you're working for somebody else, that external valuation is quite useful because you, you, you put that decision in the hands of somebody else. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You often work as hard as necessary. And and obviously you have a time limit and there's a budget, you know, there's a limit to how much you can do. And I think the real danger comes in when you do your own personal work in a weird kind of way, there are fewer restrictions that you might place on yourself other than the Mm -hmm. ones that you place on yourself when things get difficult. So you might indulge, you know, you don't want to let yourself become complacent when you're working on, on your own stuff to think that, Oh, this is my personal work. It doesn't, doesn't you pursue it the same way you would as as if you're doing contract work for somebody else, you know, create deadlines. So you can keep to a schedule. It's something I have to do working on, on, on my books is, you know, I I know I have a, a deadline, but it's off in the distance. Yep. So, you know, that immediate pressure is not there, but, you know, as you get closer, it becomes greater and more stressful if you haven't built a game plan and an, put an outline into, into play of, okay, by the end of next week, I need to have two chapters finished. It doesn't matter which two chapters, but I have to have two chapters finished by the end of next week yep. or I'm going to be in trouble because that keeps piling up because by the following the week after that, I have to have another two chapters finished Mm. or, or whatever, whatever it is, you know, set yourself goals and, and make certain that, that, that you reach them. Yeah. I think it's important to have big goals and then you have to break them down into a series of daily steps so that Mm -hmm. you can see day by day by day that you are achieving progress on those goals because if you have a big goal say for example say like an easy analogy would be like losing weight say i'm going to lose you know 20 pounds and it's like well until i've lost 20 pounds i haven't achieved that goal it's like yeah but you might only lose i don't know a pound a week and that's fine because that's not difficult to do 
but for 20 weeks you do that easy thing and you've lost your 20 pounds whereas if yeah. you only set those massive markers you know this and it's like that with the job or with, with the words you know you've got to write these chapters but maybe you've got to spend three days researching so you break that down into i'm going to research this i'm going to research that i'm going to research this and so long as you do those things on those days you can sort of tick them off and and see that you're advancing on your schedule and that gives you the confidence to yeah. know that you are pursuing it correctly and you are making gains um and, the, the, yeah, and there may be times to what you're going to have to adjust your goal when you realize okay maybe i set an unrealistic mm-hmm. deadline for this you make some adjustments but you don't make that you don't don't completely throw it all out you just make adjustments you know which is okay when you're doing personal work if you're doing contract work for somebody else Mm-hmm. they have a set deadline, you know, like this TV show, you know, we've already bought the airtime. It is, it is going on the air, such and such, or this, this play opens on this date. You have to get things done. Even yeah. if, you know, okay, I didn't, I didn't reach meet this intermediate deadline, but the ultimate finish line is not going to change. Mm-hmm. I've got to do whatever it takes now, since I missed this deadline of mine, I've got to make sure that I ramp up so I don't meet, I don't miss that, that ultimate goal line. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's, it takes a lot of self-control. Excuse me. Still haven't shaken off that cough. That's not COVID by the way. I've been testing myself three times a week. It's just the (laughs) residual effects of bronchitis. I like, like everything else that makes you ill as fucked off since COVID came along. It's like, no, nothing else matters. It's all COVID. God almighty. So, so yeah, so there is that, um, (laughs) that thing to, to make your, your goals. Um, but yeah, yeah, creating stuff is quite often a lengthy and lonely process. And that's when that shit can really, you know, needle in there. Um, what we have got in here, which is good uh, on the extensive notes, you have to check out uh, the note. We, we write notes, sometimes shorter notes, sometimes longer notes. But on this one, or yeah, these, this is a good groups, set of notes. Yeah. Could we listen through them and then, you know, make notes as we're listening through them. And then we, we expand on things, we drop other things, and then we chat, and then things go in there. And so th- th- there's a lot of words here. So it's good to read stuff. It's good to listen to stuff. Uh, and it reinforces, one reinforces the other. So if you go to battleswithbitsofrubber.com, this one is episode 81. Um, you will find the extensive list of notes there. But one of the things I'm quite pleased with that we did go into was confidence and how to build it. We're not just saying about, oh, confidence is important. We actually give like a kind of a bulleted kind of thing in the podcast about you know, why it's important, the practice of building confidence, you know, what is it you Mm -hmm. can actually do to help build that confidence? And I think doing small things well and completing them. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's good to start something and then finish it. And so maybe do something small and the act of finishing it and completing it and drawing a line under it and saying, right, that's done. Then you can do that again. And doing these in a small scale yourself before you do anything for anybody else, you'll meet the problems, you know, you'll meet your mistakes. And, uh, and those are good things to do because you've got to get past them one way or another. It's better to make yeah, it's It's good mistakes. to, you know, you're going to have to try new things uh, in order to, and to improve in order to grow uh, yeah. as, as a person and as an artist, but don't try to do something huge that you haven't done before uh, because proportionally the mistakes you'll make on that enormous project could be career ending you know they they could dishearten you to the point where i don't want to try this i don't want to do this anymore yeah um 
but if you've never done a face before, start out with a nose, start out with a pair of lips, get, get good at pieces of the face before you do the whole face so that when a mistake happens, when, when the frustration sets in, it's, it's manageable. And cheaper, and you can, and you can, you can, <laughs> and cheaper, definitely, and you can recover from it, uh, and start again, and it's yeah. it's okay. You know, mistakes will happen throughout your career. You just don't want to keep making the same ones, and you want to make make smaller ones until you get to your comfort zone, which we've talked about, yeah. and you get outside your comfort zone so you can grow, and then you're going to make different mistakes, and they will get smaller and smaller as your skill level increases. You know, you have to go through multiple steps in order to learn something, and if you never make mistakes, learning doesn't take place. You know, it, there are several instances of, of an activity that have to happen uh, in order for that information and that skill level to make it into long-term memory so that it becomes part of your skill set that you don't have to think about anymore. It's just, you know how to do it. It's gotten into muscle memory uh, and it's permanently in your memory banks. Yeah. I mean, but, that, 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 but making mistakes has, has to happen before that can happen. Yeah. Because you know, forging those neural pathways is, is difficult. It's hard work. And like you say, but repetition reinforces them. And, and, and the second time you do something, it's much easier, you know? Yeah. You know, you've heard the, easier. heard the adage that it, it takes a minimum of 10,000 hours of, of doing something before you become an expert. Yeah. Which can sound very disheartening. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't enjoyed the first hour of it, but that's, that's the thing. I think you do need to enjoy this stuff because yeah, it's supposed to be fun. It's the entertainment industry. Yeah. But also you, things can be not fun because you're approaching it the wrong way. Like, for example, like you just said about the makeup, if somebody says, Oh, I've never done a prosthetic before, but I'm going to do a realistic old age, whole head makeup. And then you get halfway through and you're like, Jesus Christ, you know, and simple things like uh, undercuts or not knowing how mm -hmm. to texture something, you meet these things head on. You know, we've said before, you can find out that you don't know those things on a nose. You can find out that you don't oh, know yeah. your core on no. a nose. You can find out what an undercut is on a nose. You can find out that you can't color skin on a nose. You can find out that your edges are shit and you don't know how to get good edges on a nose because all of those mm -hmm. things are fixable within a week. But if you've invested hundreds of dollars worth of materials on something that's massive and you now know that that is not going to yield anything, you are, like you said, you're disheartened and you yeah. basically jump the gun. You wouldn't, you wouldn't run an Ironman marathon weekend because you fancied a jog because you'd collapse after the first 10 miles. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, no. And then, then you find yourself suddenly out of a lot of materials that, that cost good money yeah. and you can't get that time back that you spent creating this massive failure. Yeah. So you will have learned a lot, you've, but you've said yeah. yourself, yeah, one would, you'll be one overwhelmed with self-loathing to, to notice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you want to try to avoid that. Um, self-loathing, not good. No. Oh, and we, we, we have that piece of software in our heads anyway. That's always there. Uh, yeah. No, we, we all, feed it. I think, I think that's part of the nature of being an artist. You know, we, we never think our work is good enough. You know, we, we walk on the set 
on a new project and see all the other people there working and go, they're going to see through me in a second. Yeah. And now it's, it's basically, it's, it's learning the fundamentals of things. Rick said something that was very good. He had a quote on there that was very, very cool. If you know what a brick is, you can understand what a wall is which I really yeah. like that. Yeah. And a house is just an extension of that concept. But if you haven't got your head around what a brick is, you're going to be absolutely thrown when you see a house because you won't know what that is. And that, that analogy is a very good one for any of this stuff. And complexity is basically layers of simple things just piled on top of each other. You know? Yeah. And- it's like with sculpting, you know, you don't want to start out sculpting details. You want to rough in your broad forms and then you refine, you know, it's, it's working from the outside in. Yeah. And do you know something? I think that's where ZBrush really helps because if you have a, a low resolution model to start with, you can't put detail into it because there's yeah. not enough polygons on there. So it actually forces you to look at the, the, the general shape, the, the gross forms. And mm-hmm. I think for people starting out, actually something like ZBrush Core Mini, which is free or Nomad, or, or which is an iPad app, which is like yeah. 15 quid. Those are very inexpensive ways of, of, of playing with sculpting and 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 getting things out of the way with clay and blender is blender free is blender free blender is free too yeah, yeah blender is also blender. another good one yeah you know and it's still the act of sculpting even though they're digital tools they're still sculpt just like if you're going to write a story you know you're going to write a 200 word story you could choose to use a biro on a piece of you know on the legal pad or you can type it you know you don't say well if i'm typing it it's a different thing than if i write it by hand it's like no it's the same fucking process because the hard yeah. thing is the plot and the characters and the story and whether it's engaging that's got fuck will do whether you're tapping keys or making words with a pen and it's yeah. exactly the same with digital sculpting and um, i think so- because of uh you know and we talked about this uh, with with maddie spencer and we talked about it uh in the in the in the, the, the visual effects podcast bolton podcast in part one um Digital sculpting is is here to stay, folks, and it's going to become more and more a part of the practical effects world. And the sooner you can wrap your heads around it and start wearing that hat well, also, yeah, uh, the more value you're going to have. You know, and as Jake said in our conversation, uh, the more you can do, the more you'll get to do. Very, very good advice. That solid piece of advice. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to point out is that we grew up without social media. I mean, we didn't have the internet growing up. No, I mean, I didn't. didn't I, yeah, personal computer com- computers. When I was in college, computers were the size of your bedroom. Yeah. So people and, and you programmed it with punch cards. Yeah. It's uh... which I know. Just saying that sentence kind of splits a line between you know you and a group of people if you're teaching as i've noticed you know when you teach in a class you may have a lot of younger people there who didn't not grow up with google they've always had social media or the internet because yeah. social media is more recent obviously than the internet but and I have, students today don't know life without personal computers no and they've got all of those advantages that that comes with but also there's a lot of new shit that people have to deal with that they just didn't do before yeah you know um I say, I say the internet before. is a good is both a good thing and a bad thing yeah it's a tricky one because i think the thing about social media is it, it, it actively pushes stuff in front of you um that is designed to distract you and, and and keep your attention 
but you're going to be presented with the best things and the worst things in the world. And you'll see people who are doing what you do to such a high proficient level that if you're comparing us, because you've seen them on your phone, you know, you kind of go, well, they exist and, and they're better than me. And I, 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 I haven't got a chance of getting anywhere near as good as them or whatever. Yeah. So what's, the, what's the point in trying? And it's like that, that anxiety didn't exist before really, because you may have known about amazing people, but you didn't, you weren't, you weren't fed a daily update of how much better than they are you today. You know? Oh yeah. No, I, I, and I'm, I'm a victim of that as well. You know, I, I look at um, Chris Costa's ZBrush work and, and I, I think to myself, why the fuck do I even bother trying? You know, this, I will never get to that level. And then I realized, you know, that's okay. I'm not Chris Costa. No. And, and, and he's not me. Don't judge yourself by someone else's success or failure. Yeah. It's, it doesn't matter. You know, the number of followers or likes that somebody has is, is really a hollow endorsement of quality. Yes. Was it that you said? Uh, Because, because a lot, a lot of those followers haven't got a clue of what, really good work is or what it takes to get there and would, so, yeah and would those followers pay you that's the thing you, you might yeah. get people that like what you do on a superficial level but they're not clients they're shelling out lots of money to pay you for what you do you know it's very easy to like something from a distance yeah but it's very different to actually dig deep and pay someone you know a month's wages to do something um though you only need to impress a few people to get paid you know what i mean they just need to be the right people and i think that's from from a professional point of view that's what i try and put across in our classes like the things that i like to see in a folio are not necessarily the things that are very popular on social media like someone puts blood on something and oh it's amazing it's talented but you could do a really realistic nose on someone and there's nothing to see just a different nose and if you haven't Mm -hmm. seen that person's nose before you know, that's why it's good to do makeups when they do makeups on in movies, when they're the most successful prosthetics are often those on people you don't recognize because yeah, well, you don't know what they look like normally. You know, when I was teaching visual effects uh, courses, I used to tell my students, you know, that the best compliment someone can give a visual effects artist is to look at their work, their finished work and have no idea what they did. Uh, and, and the same holds true for a really good prosthetic makeup to look at the finish, you know, in order to know what they've done, you have to see the before and the after side by side to see the change because the, the ultimate goal is to be able to have somebody in prosthetic makeup and not be able to tell that someone is wearing prosthetics. Yeah. And they just look at me. Have you seen um, the penguin stuff that Mike Marino did? And also uh, in the house of Gucci, Goran did the makeup on Jared Leto and it's just yeah, fucking beautiful. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's not just, know? and that's not to say that, that, you know, you couldn't have that person in the prosthetic makeup standing right next to you, you know, inches away from, from in your, in your field of vision and go, I, I can't tell, you know, makeup is makeup. Yes. Um, you know, it's you're to an untrained eye up close. You can, you can fool someone into thinking that that's somebody else, but to a trained eye up close, you're still going to be able to tell that it's makeup, but it's so well applied that for its intended usage on camera, you can't tell. Yeah. It's impossible to tell. 
I mean, does that make sense? Absolutely does. And I think that's a very key point because when you do your own makeup, you are looking at it with your eyes and you are looking correctly. So for all the faults, but that can be overwhelming. And then you look at a picture in a magazine or on a screen of a beautifully lit, a beautifully performed makeup on an expert performer in beautiful costume. And it's in the context of a story and everything is top notch. And of course it looks great. I'm not denigrating any of the work. I'm just saying mm-hmm. when you're starting out, if it's your second or third makeup and you've done, oh, I mean, this is what the, the, the perilous and difficult thing of copying makeups, like someone will do I don't know, an avatar makeup. And it's like, avatar wasn't makeup. They were digital. So you doing a really good face paint job, you're still not going to get it right because the eyes are too far apart. The proportions are wrong because they're not humans. And or, or even if you do like, oh, I'm going to copy, I don't know, let, let me do a Voldemort makeup. It's like, well, the people that did that, A, the nose was digital, but B, that was a really, really good makeup done by, you know, several good professionals working mm-hmm. hard on a, on a, on a high budget movie with a, with a top class actor. If you stick that on Terry from Accounts, and he's not fucking Ray Fiennes and he doesn't spend his life working in multi-million dollar movies and you haven't been doing this for 30 years, you are not going to do as good a job. So why the fuck? I wouldn't go up to Mo Farah and fucking challenge him to a hundred meter race and then be <laughs> devastated because I didn't win. He's good. He's the fastest fucking human being on two legs. Of course he's going to beat me. I'm a podgy fucking 50 year old. So it's like, what are you thinking? So you have to work like for like and when you're starting out you absolutely should do something small to the very best of your ability log all of the things that go wrong figure out why and do it again better and just keep coming back and you'll feel yeah. better about it because you as you say you're not comparing yourself with the very best or other people your locus of evaluation should come from yourself have i done better this week than i did last week yeah, and if the answer judge. is yes you're going the right way yeah absolutely you know it's look at Look at your work from yesterday as compared to today. Yes. And, and if there's an improvement, put a, put a check in the plus column. That's what you can that's, ask for, man. That's, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And some people will. will you are the only faster, person you need but, to compare yourself to. Yeah. And, you know, some people will get faster than you, but that's tough shit. That's just how it goes. Some people yeah, grow taller. That, you know, that's, that's completely different from finding inspiration. Yeah, and and looking at someone's work because because I look at Chris Costa's work and go, oh my god, that is fucking astonishing. Because <laughs> you can't even see what's being done. You're just looking at, holy shit, there's a Renaissance man in a big hat. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. I can't even see. A I didn't know they had photography in 1525. Yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just. But, but, but that's why you need to look at how they got to where they did. And like you say, when you see a lot of this stuff, people are showing their, their best thing, but they're not, yeah. I mean, Chris's, Chris's thing is that he teaches that. So that's, that's, that's why you will see those things, but yeah. you're right. And that's also, you look at that and you can see, okay, it's what pushes you look at the, the stuff how amazing it is and that's what pushes you to oh, how did he do that and you can you know if you think about it and if you're playing already playing with zbrush or you know you're pushing clay around what what tool could i use to get that texture you know uh it it helps you move forward because it gets those juices flowing oh my god i need to know how to do that yeah and i think zbrush particularly is one of those things that 
some things are so easy to do that it's almost not worth mentioning, but they're very impressive because you think of them in practical terms. Like if you text to something, you know, you hand deposit pores into plastiline with the tool one by one by one. Whereas yeah. if you've got a brush that has pores on it and someone shows you that go, Oh shit. Oh, I'm not even worried. Do you know what I mean? It's not even a thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and, and that, yeah. and that comes into, to, you know, working smart, not hard. Yes. Um, you know, it's, you know, you can mirror things in, in ZBrush. It's like, well, that's kind of like cheating, but no, it's not, you know, you want to, you want to work smart, not hard. It's, it's a good idea to want to know how to do all of that stuff individually. But if there are tools available that can give you some shortcuts and it, to achieving the same results, by all means, use them. Well, the thing is, if you, if you have those tools, I mean, the other thing is, well, rarely do you keep it symmetrical. You might symmetrically block stuff out. But yeah, no, people, people are not it. symmetrical. People are not. So you will add that asymmetry in, but it's sensible and desirable when sculpting to try and work symmetrically. But also you don't just sort of call it half a day's work because of these conveniences. You instead use that extra time that you save doing more of the other stuff. So you'll spend more time blocking it out. You'll spend more time correcting things and getting the post the posture right and the gestures and the pose and all that kind of stuff you, you now have more time to do that similarly mm -hmm. like like i'm not having to to weld up an armature when i sculpt a figure in in zbrush so i can spend more time sculpting the head or sculpting the figure because i'm not having to carry heavy bags of clay up into the workshop do you know what I mean so it's like yeah you still work a 10-hour day or whatever but more of that time is now sculpting. It's kind of like working from home. You know, you cut out the commute. That just gives you an extra couple of hours to get stuff done. You know, it's, just, yeah. it's, it's you know, it's, it's. And it's I think it's because of these to tools that we now have at our disposal that can help us build confidence in our yeah. abilities. Because, you know, we now have the luxury of more time working digitally to get better to make mistakes yeah. and, and fix them and, and get better than if we were working in more traditional terms, because there is definite crossover between sculpting with clay and sculpting digitally. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing. If you're going to work at night using electric lights, are you going to insist on working by candlelight? Cause that's what your forefathers did. It's like, no, right. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. I like having yeah. lights. <laughs> I want to work the way Michelangelo did. I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to buy paint. I'm going to dig out. Away pigments from the ground and fucking make my own egg yolk pastes and hope no you fucking just buy paint you don't even think about buying paint as being a shortcut so there is you know <laughs> you can just spend more time painting and i suspect you probably get better painters nowadays because they didn't spend half their time sourcing things that you can just buy in an art shop i mean yeah. this laziness is possible obviously but i'm just yeah, saying but, but but the same thing you know, like, oh I, I wish i could live in a in an earlier time when things were simpler it's no, it's, it's just different. You know, what's um, the Woody Allen movie um, after midnight, I guess it's you know, about them wanting to live in earlier times because it was better. And it goes back in time and see if they're all having the same commiserations. They wish they could live in an earlier time because things were better. So you're like, Oh yeah, my painting, but it comes down to the point I'm trying to make that, you know, your work can always be better. You know, that the impressionist, uh, oh, I know this painting could have been better if I could have just found some blue paint, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> but blue was very expensive uh, paint to acquire. You look you know at some what? of the impressionists and 
when you see blue, it was a time of prosperity because they had they could afford to buy blue paint. Do you know, I'm, I'm really it's weird you mentioned that because one of the things I wanted to get stuck into was the Blind Boy podcast. And I, I was going to put a link of that in the blog post notes. Uh, I played a couple of blog, uh, Blind Boy. Yeah, we listened to some of the Blind Boy. Um, and he he um, he gets into a lot of things. I think uh, what I've written here was um, where are we? Uh, I started uh, social media and its effects on people has a lot to answer for, for what seems to be a worldwide effect on self-confidence and esteem and awareness of that and a sensible exploration and some pushback is a reasonable response to examine what it means for you personally and how you can take back more control from it. So, uh, and, and to that end, I would say um, that a podcast we highly recommend is the blind boy podcast. Um, and he's an interesting character because when you see him, he has a plastic bag on his head. Uh, with holes in it so he's not stupid yeah. he wants to be able to breathe um and a lot of people will have a lot to say about that i'm sure if you're not familiar with him i would recommend don't let the fact he wears a bag on his head stop you from listening to what he has to say because he's fascinating but he did a podcast quite recently about colors and pigments uh because he does a lot of talks about art history you oh, have to check that one out yeah very he, very good it's um a very yeah as you said very good podcast but uh, yeah, he's very good at, um, uh, at breaking stuff down, but he does a lot of stuff about mental health because uh, he himself suffered from anxiety and also he had social, uh, anxiety, a lot of phobias, he panic attacks being in public and he couldn't go outside and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And well, that's part through. of the reason behind uh, him wearing the bag is because he doesn't want, he does not like the, the public attention. And if people he doesn't, no, he wants to be able to do his thing. Recognize he, him. Yes. Cause he, he was in he a won't band. be able to do his thing. Yeah. yeah, he's in a in a band called the um, the Rubber Bandits, and they that is uh, you know there's a few songs you could check the, the songs out on, online uh, on YouTube. Um, Horse Outside is the most famous one, you know, and, and he was quite raucous in his but you know his 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 gigs were quite sort of violent and shouty and shirt off and you know it was quite boisterous stuff. And he what he didn't want to do was he didn't want to personally be part of the spectacle. He wanted to be able to perform, do his thing, and then after the show was done, he wanted to live a normal life. He wanted to take a bus or go to the store and just without people going, Oh, look, there's blind boy buying toilet paper. He just wanted to right. live his life because he doesn't want to be part of that. Cause he's seen the effect it has. I think he mentioned it. of his big brother. You guys watch big brother. I mean, you probably don't watch it, but you're aware of the show big brother. Yeah. So yeah. you'd have people that were not famous in a house on TV. You get voted out. And basically a lot of them became celebrities. And then when they didn't win big brother, they would, you, people would see them a year later, you know, not having won, you know, li- trying to live a normal life and people sort of jeering and making fun of them because they're, they're, they're famous enough to be recognized, but they didn't make enough money doing it to have like bodyguards and a private estate and all that kind of stuff. So now they've got to live in the real world. And that has a very negative effect on your mental health. So a yeah, big no, part of his thing was to not do any of that shit was to perform, do his thing, say good things, be out in the public doing gigs. He has his podcast, but his what he looks like is private and it doesn't need to be anybody's business. And I really like that. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. So I would recommend the blind boy podcast. Anyway, it, it, it's, it, it consistently uh, it refreshes my mind and it makes me feel good. And I learn a lot from it as well, especially with history and not history. Mm. This folk, they're amazing. You should listen to the one about which one, um, which one did we listen to the one about the uh, KFC? Oh, that yeah, recipe. Okay, yeah. yeah. The original KFC recipe, which is just, I mean, even that sounds mental, but it it, it was fascinating. Yeah, it was. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's there's loads. There's loads on, on pigments and stuff, but there was a very good one on on lobster. 
why lobsters an expensive food why there are pineapples in a lot of uh, victorian designs <laughs> um uh yeah that, that sounds mental all those things don't sound interesting but they really are the swastika laundry in ireland mm-hmm. <laughs> um all kinds of stuff amazing absolutely amazing um but yeah possibly my and favorite if, if you're a history ever. buff it will definitely appeal to you yes i mean life is so dense and there's so many things going on and that's one of the things i really like about the blind boy podcast it 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 makes you realize all this other shit that you you can be interested in you don't just have to worry about you know what the latest thing is on tiktok or how you look or this guy there's a fucking there's a plethora of stuff that demands your attention and you you would you would have a happier life if you knew about it so i'll go check that out and blind um, boy you're welcome for the publicity Oh, fuck it, man. He's given me so much entertainment <laughs> and I've learned so much. It's been a brilliant, brilliant thing. But the reason I think that's important because he talks a lot about mental health and he talks about it is pushback against the effects, the negative effects of social media. Obviously, it's how you use it. I mean, as he says, you know, any any substance, what you have to, and I'm considering social media as a substance, um, any, you have to evaluate your relationship with a substance. You know, I mean, I can have yeah. a drink and it's fine, but if I, if I can't get through a day without a drink, then that's a problem, you know, and it's different. And, and that's the trouble. I think there's a lot of people are pretty much addicted to social media and no one's really addressing that. So, yeah. um, you know, it has a lot of negative effects. Yeah. The internet is, is a good thing, but only when used for good and not for evil. Yeah. And I think for my money, I'm, I'm convinced it was Edward Bernays that started it all. And I put out a little bit of information. Yeah, and that's, that in yeah, that well. was an interesting, that was an interesting uh, little, little read. Um, Sigmund Freud's nephew, uh, kind of the precursor to modern advertising. Yeah. You know, the, you know, the, psych, the psychology of, of advertising to be more precise. Yeah. Well, because there was a time where, you know, before 1920 odd, if you made a good soap, you would just tell people here is soap it makes you clean and now after this whole psychological aspect was taken into consideration it's not just about the product it's how are you a better version of yourself because of this product so we reveal and make you feel inadequate in certain ways and you can make those better by buying this product and that's pretty much now how everything's done and it's having a negative effect on a lot of things yeah it's 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 adding the why yeah, but we're so used to it, you don't realize there was a time where that wasn't how things were done. And so learning about Edward Bernays was fascinating. There's mm-hmm. a documentary that Adam Curtis made called The Century of the Self, which is about, it's exploring the effect of Edward Bernays on culture and how it changed from one thing to the next. I'll, I'll read out quickly this thing that was on, uh, on, a, on a, it was the, the information on an upload of that, that um, documentary. All this um, information will be in the notes. Oh, it's in the notes. Well, I just read it in case people can't be asked to read the notes. They may hear this and decide that they want to read the notes. I've heard this. Uh, so the quote is um, the story of, this is about the century of the self, about Edward Bernays. The story of the relationship between Sigmund Freud and his American nephew, Edward Bernays. Bernays invented public relations profession in the 1920s and was the first person to take Freud's ideas to manipulate the masses. He showed American corporations how they could make people want things they didn't need by systematically linking mass-produced goods to their unconscious desires. Bernays was one of the main architects in the modern techniques of mass consumer persuasion, using every trick in the book from celebrity endorsement and outrageous PR stunts to eroticizing the motor car. His most notorious coup was breaking the taboo on women smoking, because back in the day, they weren't selling enough cigarettes because typically women didn't smoke, certainly not to the same degree of memoirs, and they wanted to sell more tobacco. So 
uh, they persuaded them that cigarettes were a symbol of independence and freedom. But Bernays was convinced this was more than just a way of selling consumer goods. It was a new political idea of how to control the masses. And he ended up getting some suffragettes. He gave them free cigarettes and then used them on this march. And then a lot of women wanted to support suffragettes, bought the cigarette. That's how fucking cynical this was. It's, it's pretty evil. Uh, by satisfying the inner irrational desires that his uncle had identified, people could be made happy and thus docile. It was the start of an all-consuming self which has come to dominate today's world. So it's a, an interesting and perhaps depressing look at that yeah. side of things. But I think it doesn't hurt to be aware that that is, exists and it wasn't always like that. And if you can be aware of it, you can kind of catch it a bit and yeah, no, make some adjustments to your life accordingly. You know, I'm, I you know, spent years working in advertising and I'm, I'm guilty of perpetrating this. Uh, same. I think, you know, you work in, in a professional environment doing makeups and things or in the media, you, you, you can work towards it. So, but it's an interesting one. I realize this may sound like it's drifting from our remit of like rubber guys that make rubber noses. But not but, really. But not really, because where that comes from, you know, in, in, the, in the long, quiet hours of sculpting, these self-doubts creep up. And it's like, where do they come from? You know, we, we have them. They're normal. It's just whether or not they've been weaponized and used to make you buy shit you don't need. With money yeah, and, we, and we're, we're getting it because it's been been part of the our ethos for so long that we don't pay attention to it and it just it just happens yeah well there we go i mean you know we i think we quite like to promote quite competence on this podcast i've always been a champion of that that mm-hmm. you know there are always people that want to know the big flashy clever things and there's nothing wrong with that but but being good at something takes effort and time and, and is valuable and makes you feel yeah. good when you can do it. And so I, I, I will always push that. Uh, but that gets If you want to be out. recognized for your work, that's okay. But it's also okay to just be very good at what you do and the people that matter, you know, having you know, the people who are the best at this, probably you've, you've said this and I'm, I'm just repeating what, what you've said before. Um, the people that really matter who are the best at this don't have a huge social media uh, presence or, or if they Except do, maybe they Rick don't, Baker. <laughs> they don't, an exception. They do, yeah. Yeah. They don't, they don't have huge followings, but the people that hire them over and over again are already familiar with their work and they don't need that huge social media presence in order to be working all the time. Yeah. Does that make sense? Am it does I, because am I echoing your your sentiment? Absolutely. I mean, in a good year, I might I may work for eight nine people. Yeah, and that's enough to pay my bills for the year. So I only need to appeal to those right people. I don't need thousands and thousands of followers. Because here's the thing: if you have thousands and thousands of followers, and that's what you count as successful, are those thousands of followers paying your bills? Probably not. And if they do, you can't control if somebody who does what you do, that's more interesting comes along and just sweeps all that away, you know, that happens all the time where suddenly the golden yeah. boy of one thing is now, you, you could be the top gamer doing a YouTube thing. And, and that's great. And then someone comes along using what they've learned from you. And then suddenly because they're quirkier, everyone switches over to them and you can't control that. You have no control over that. You're, you know what I mean? You're sailing on the tide. Yeah. You, that, that's it. So, um, you you don't want to give everything away like that and, and have nothing to give. And I think that's why 
acquiring skills and competence and enjoying the process of that acquisition of skills and then using those skills to be of service to other people is truly the best thing you can do with your life. You know, yeah. it's a complete yeah, yeah. circle that feeds itself. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and it's difficult at times to do that. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's not worth your time because I can't think of anything better to do. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I'm, I'm with you. This is the most fun I've ever had professionally. And I've, I've had a lot of fun. Awesome, man. Well, we should probably stop waffling. So you can actually just listen to this episode. Of the podcast. Yeah. And let us know. <laughs> this, was it. this was just the preamble. Um, here's yeah, yeah, part a two. Whole, a whole nother talk. <laughs> Who doesn't like to eat a little bit of monster clay I'm every now and then? I like to specifically monster clay. Did you clay? say you were eating monster clay? I've tried it. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course. It oh, looks, it I mean, looks you just way tastier than it is. Yeah, but it doesn't taste bad. Yeah, it's not awful. But I've I mean, known that, somebody, that dog treat uh, tasted way worse. No, I've, I've known somebody that had some sculpts in clay and they, their workshop was locked up over Christmas and when they came back, half of the stuff had been eaten by mice. Oh. And actually went into the workshop and eaten the monster clay. Wow. So that's a fun story. Did they find mm-hmm. it like plasticized in the world? I don't know. I can't imagine how <laughs> digestible well, they it's, it's, it's advertised as non toxic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of sounds like some so, lump of an egg stuff. It won't kill you, but it'll kind of bind you up. <laughs> I, think, I think that is an excellent point to move on. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably how we'll start the, this episode. Probably. Uh, so yeah, one of the questions that we thought was a very good one was about confidence and just how when you, when you start out, obviously you don't know as much about what you're trying to get into as the people around you. So there's a certain you're on the back foot, and that's a, a standard thing. And you were saying about the different kinds of. I, th- I think I think yeah, there's, there's certainly two, or at least two. I mean, but two two different types of confidence we can we can talk about in regards to to kind of students and getting into this world. And one of those is is kind of like a, a general practice-based confidence which grows with time so you know, competence time. of yeah. actual being yeah, able to do the more something. experience you have the, the the better you know the more things you do that improve each time yes. the more comfortable you feel with that work and i think as a as an artist you, you should never feel fully confident i think that there's always an element of i can see everything that's wrong with because the minute you, you you you're happy you know you're you know completely delighted that the thing is is beyond improvement you've failed you've stopped well it comes to the discussion of yeah. the nature of being an artist that we're never satisfied yeah. with our work yeah which that's, that's which is a which is a good a good thing really um because it lets us know that we're on the right track mm. when the moment comes if we look at our work and think it's perfect there's nothing i can do to improve it that's the red flag that you're not trying hard enough yeah, yeah. So getting comfortable with that discomfort is something we as artists need to accept. It's just the way it is. Sorry, man. Well, I think I'm better than everybody else. <laughs> is this the other type? <laughs> yeah. And that's and that, ladies and gentlemen, is self-confidence. Yeah. But is that thing about the it's a delusion? Get, the better you get, your the, 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 it's like. Like wherever your ability is, your expectation of yourself it's is always going to be. So as you yeah. as you increase, so does your expectation. So you're yeah. always seeing this gap, I think that gap without realizing that this growth is happening. I'm hoping that that gap will narrow. 
I've not noticed it. You know, I still feel as upset with my practice as I ever was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like you say, as it as the, the your confidence moves, the, your uh, uh, expectations. Yeah, it's getting with. outside your comfort yeah. level and working until you're comfortable again. You know, you can take one step backward as long as you're making two steps forward. Yeah. As long as there's forward growth, you're you're in and good shape. And take so enjoyment in the growth as well. Yeah. You know, that's that's where the enjoyment's got to come from because. You've just got to accept there isn't going to be a destination like that. You're not going to... There isn't an end point. Yeah, no. yeah, you're not going to make it. You're not going to get it to the point where I'm happy with everything that I do. Like, this as, is where we can bring in deadline talk, the joy of deadline. Yeah, well, no matter how good you get, you know. somebody can show you something you didn't know. Yeah. Let's talk about deadlines. That's a good point. Because I think one of the things that can be quite upsetting, and I remember this when I was at college, was when I had something like a project that was quite open-ended it was more distressing than if someone gave you a time limit and was specific. And obviously when I'm mm. working on a job, I've got a, a deadline that the story's already, already been taken care of by people that write the stories. The acting's taken care of by the person who's going to wear this. Someone's going to light it. Someone's going to film it. All I've got to do is make this nose like this on this date so I can exclude everything else and but not worry about it and focus all my attention on those three things I need to do. And some, someone will sign it off. And someone someone will tell you it's okay to stop now. Yeah. Like, whereas when you've got an open-ended project as an academic, like, it's how much can you get in there? It can always be bigger. It can always grow, if you yeah. get what I mean. And I so think you need that, a brief. You need to give yourself a deadline and, and a brief. And, and the other thing terrifying is, is that these guys are starting all these skills from scratch. They've not done anything in special makeup effects before or VFX before. So the rate at which they're learning at the beginning is, is incredibly fast. To the point where two or three weeks after you've done something you could have learned new techniques that mean you would have probably done that differently now. And what we pretty much asked them to do is, okay, we'll redo that aspect of your project. Reflect on it, improve it, redo it. So sometimes it feels like your project's just, oh, it's just going backwards again. Oh, it's just going backwards again because we're asking you to rebuild things using this improved, refined technique in your understanding that you're, you're, you're developing. But that can be a huge cause of anxiety, you know, for, for a student. And I think like understanding and accepting that you're not the only one who's feeling this and going through this process. Everybody is. Yeah. Can help you with self-confidence, knowing that it's not just you. I mean, Rick Baker posted a, an Instagram, an epic failure recently of a mold he was making that he 3D printed the core, he 3D printed the jacket, and was filling the, the void mm. for the matrix mold with silicone and had forgotten to clamp the mold down and the silicone was lifting it up off the table because it was light resin and it, oh and, he, and he's going oh shit he's trying to scoop the silicone back up into it and he owned it yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. but you know if you don't make mistakes you don't learn anything and you're going to make mistakes at every level even at Rick Baker's level yeah. mistakes happen you just own it and move on and try not to make that mistake again. You, you make different mistakes and hopefully they won't be as bad. Yeah. The, but, you know, that's just the nature of being an artist. You know, it's going to happen yeah. as long as you want to be doing this stuff. And we, I think, I think we, that's something we push really hard. We're really sort of, we don't, mistakes aren't punished. You know, mm. what, uh, mistakes aren't bad. As, the only time a mistake comes bad is if it's compounded by 
not analysing that mistake, not understanding why that became a mistake. And, and or repeating a mistake yeah. you yeah. made before. But in the educational yeah. environment, that's when mistakes are encouraged to be yeah. made. Yeah. Do them now when exactly you don't have a job yeah. on the line yeah. that's, you know, you, have, you don't have a family to support that suddenly you've made a mistake that now how am I going to put that, food on the table and pay the mortgage and all those things? It, it gets us to the, the essence of, of, of education for me, and that is that the student has to try. That's all they have to do. Because if they try and they get it right, we will come along as, as educators and go, well done, that's brilliant. Be supportive. This is how you could extend it. And if you try and you get it wrong, as educators, we'll be there talking you through the mistake. You understand it now. You can reflect on it. And now you can improve. So either way, if you try, a few moments later, you will have the, the right knowledge and the right experience. It doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong when you try. The only thing we can't help, and this is often an issue of confidence, is someone that doesn't try in the first place. They find an excuse to avoid. They find an excuse to do something else. And you know, we, we or they, or they you have to like lose that fear of failure. That's, this, is, this is a big thing as well. I'm glad it circled back to confidence because that's what I was thinking. You know, if a student tries a bit and kind of skates, it's really difficult because you can give them feedback and you can give them, but it's it's always so so. Whereas if a student really tries, pushes really hard, and almost in, not invites failure, but skirts, you know, flirts with failure. Mm. Um, I think that's that's the cutting edge. That's where we want to be. We want to be at, at the at the edge of our ability all the time yeah. because that's when we, we learn best and that's when we make mistakes and go oh well that's an interesting thing that just happened I mean it's completely screwed me over but yeah. it's an interesting thing yeah. that I'm going to remember well, that I've done enough I like I don't like making mistakes when I'm doing demos but when they happen and they and they do I try to turn it into a teaching moment absolutely mm -hmm. so that I can help somebody else prevent making the same mistake. And sometimes it's a software glitch. You know, I've, I've done After Effects demos where I've gone, I've rehearsed what I'm going to do in the demo and it's make sure it's perfect and I've got everything in the right sequence. And invariably, when I get the demo happening, I go in the right sequence and click. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> click. Yeah, that's embarrassing. That's, hmm. yeah. Think, yeah. <laughs> what's the worst thing what's the biggest mistake any of you have made so far in the program and what have you learned from it I personally agree on now making models like, I'm getting into making models I find very satisfying but I think early days with every model I made every single one went wrong um, but I think that's probably why I like it so much now is because it is that process of when it goes wrong you get to figure out what went wrong and how to fix it and it, it's all just a learning process that's exactly the right attitude because if if you had done a mould and you got it alright and it was right first time then there's probably a lot of other people in the world that could have done that and yeah. got it right first time as well if you've been through failure and failure and failure and you've learned and learned and learned what you end up at the end of it has value that's rare that, that is employable that's something that's in demand yeah. like you, you don't want things to come easily like, while you're in this in, in this environment, you want to master the really difficult things. And that's like, interesting, because you've got a path to Because I make a lot of moulds. I've spent a lot of time making moulds. So had I been there as a final to see what it was that you did that went wrong, I could have put it down and handed it to a poster. Obviously, very tiny fly handwriting. But, but, but you know, it's it's like you did something, 
you did something you should have done or you didn't do something you should have done. It was an actual quantifiable action that needed to be corrected. And then when you know that, you don't do that mistake again. Yeah, exactly. And you it's amazing. The importance of each like, individual process within the whole yeah. process. Like a people, for example, you know that Pockets are bad. I think mean, the first like plaster model that I made, it was like this thing, and it just cracked. So I was like, yeah. of course that would happen. Yeah, and now you it know. It took until yeah. it took for it to break in my hands. Like, well, of course that's yeah. going to happen. But, but <laughs> you learn the lessons so well yeah. that way. You, you know, the pain, the sadness, it burns yeah. it into your soul. Like, yeah. and and we have the you know have this expression here, which is we we want you to make every single mistake you can do here. So. You make all the easy ones here, all the obvious ones here. When you go into industry, anything that you make a mistake on is going to be either understandable or not critical. Like, you know, get this is such a safe environment to make sense, to make mistakes. When it comes to confidence as well, that this environment really does help to build your self confidence because you are encouraged to make those mistakes and learn from those mistakes. And it's all just so welcoming and inviting because, as you said, like now is the time where you, you can do that. Yeah. And it's. And it's okay because, because you are encouraged to learn. And it seems that you're working in small enough groups that there are few enough of you that you can develop some real camaraderie and have a support system we, for, we for really when these mistakes we, happen. We catch each other's mistakes. I know when we were doing That's the huge. Um, one of our friends went to port on... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, pigmented A into a mold, and I was like, ooh! <laughs> <laughs> so, you put yeah. bullet time. Catalyst? What's that? It's nice to, to have that, to be able to be around and help each other. Yeah. Well, that, that's not by accident as well. I mean, on all of the programs here, we cultivate that sense of community. You know, I, I've said to you guys, I'm a fucking hippie deep down at heart. I believe that, that we are better when we pull together. Yeah. We catch each other's mistakes. We, you know, we pick each other up when we're feeling sad. You know, it, that that's you know that studio for me is, is is more than just a place to go to work. It's you know, it, it's something that is a little bit more important than that. And it's it, 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 it's hugely important because. A lot of artists like to work alone. You know, that's another part of, of the artist's nature. But this is not a solitary industry. You you have to rely on one another. You have to work with one another. Just because of the nature of production pipelines, there are so many people involved. You have to get outside your your little introverted shell. You know, I I consider myself to be an outgoing introvert. Because you know, I I don't like to go to big parties, but this is great. Mm. You know, I I can I've conditioned myself to be able to talk to large groups of people, but it's still when I go to trade shows and people come up to me wanting autographs and signing books, I love it. But at the same time, it makes me feel very uncomfortable. It drains you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's. I mean, and I I don't want to sound negative because you've all asked me to, to sign copies of the book which which I love but at the same time it calls attention to me and that is not something I'm accustomed to. Can, can, can a lot of us feel that. Understand. 
the solitary nature of the artist is also a really interesting <coughs> question. It's how, how much of that solitary nature is because the, it comes back to confidence. How much of it is that the artist wants to work on something until they are happy to share it and they're not confident sharing it earlier? Mm-hmm. And that's something we try and identify on the courses as well and, and you know, beat out of students in, in, a, in a nice <laughs> way. Because when you're in industry, you, you need to be sharing every stage of your work because somebody might pick up something that you're doing wrong they might go, oh, no, we're going in a slightly different direction. No, can we change that early? And there's nothing worse than going away for five days, doing something and doing the big reveal at the end of it. And your supervisors, well, that's not actually what I wanted. Like, you know, now they're really frustrated. They've just burned five days of fees, like, you know, paying for something that they can't use and the client isn't going to sign off. So it's, it's really important that you share, you know, that process and, you know, you, you sort of even if you're really embarrassed about what it is because it's only two hours work and you haven't done anything, you get it out there, like, you know, and, and, and try and, you know, identify that fear, that part of your ego that's making you reluctant to do that and try and deal with that and get rid of it because it makes you so much more powerful to work with. Like, um, I had an expression from a, a guy in the director of a company called Screenplay who said, I would much rather hire a mediocre artist that has mastered their ego than an amazing artist that hasn't, because he, like he has got. Yeah, we, that we had that conversation again at lunch today. Yeah, because he's he's got an amazing eye. He's sort of like, look, if this if this artist's work is mediocre, I will give them round and round of feedback, and eventually it will get there, and then that artist will improve over time. And they won't get in their own way. Exactly. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> yeah. But he will never be surprised by something which is just pulled out and the artist has taken it in a different direction. It's, not, it's nothing that he can use and he can't use. So it's a really interesting comparison that with the solitary and, artist, our industry. And what you're also talking about, I think it's important if you're working on a project to share your progress at every stage along yep. the way so that you don't get to this close to finished point and have to go but realize that I didn't share these different yeah. stages and now you it's two days of work is out the window because you've got to go back go back three or four steps three or four yeah. steps yeah. Make, so just make sure that you're letting everyone know what it's what's happening at every stage so that you but don't wind up shooting is, yourself in the foot this is where our community <clears throat> comes in and this happens on all of the programs you know if you're constantly working you know, well, we have huge open access areas, so kind of even outside of classes, our students are expected to come in and, and practice. You know, keep working on the craft. So, by being in that open space together, they can help catch things. They can help guide each other. They can, you know, I, I have lovely memories of third years coming. You know, as I'm about to help a student, and I look up, I'll see a third year walk across and go, "Hey, have you tried doing this?" I was in here bashing my head against the keyboard trying to solve some ZBrush problems. And two of Rich's students, a second year and a third year, came over and was like, hey, Rick, what's going on? It's like, this is bullshit. <laughs> and they went, if you try control N, I was like, what's control N? And you know, this is, you know, and it, oh. it's that. I, I think one of, one of the things that, that, that's great about education generally is, you know, we're all on this journey. Cheesy journey. Said it. Thank yeah. you, guys. Yeah. You know, we're all walking this road. Man. It's just that, you know, Rick Baker's miles down this road you know we're a little bit further ahead than you guys so that when we run into problems it's great to be able to have that community mm. kind of high mind to solve problems yeah. communication is critical and if, yeah. if you if you want to be really direct like 
the grade averages of, of every year group across the last 10 years, there will always be exceptional students, there will always be weak students. And the ones in the middle drift depending on how good the community in that year group is. If the community is really good, if everyone gets to know each other, puts their egos aside and you get a really good friendship, peer-to-peer -peer learning, that middle group will drift up towards the high marks. There's always students that aren't gonna work and no matter how good you are as a teacher, you cannot extrinsically motivate them enough to carry on working. At some point, it has to come from the student to be intrinsically motivated. But in groups with good community, that the middle sort of performing student goes up and up and up and up towards the end of third year. So, and, and also, completely sort of in a sort of self-centered way, if you have a good community and good friendships, they will be your links in industry. When you go out into industry, they are going to recommend you, they're going to advise you, they're going to, you know, if you can't solve a problem, you pick up, pick up a phone, phone one of your friends, have you tried this? Good idea, put the phone down, try it. When somebody hires you, they're not just hiring you, they're hiring that network that you have, like, and that community that comes with you. Like, and you know, part of Bolton, we have, Discord channels with graduates mixing with normal students and normal students <laughs> and, and not normal students, <laughs> all types of students, Muggles. Like, yeah. and even even applicants that are thinking of joining the course because that that sense of community, that sense of look, we we do it through the brand of Bolton University, but like you know everyone is part of this family and this everyone helps really everyone. Exists on networking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't do it by yourselves. I mean, you can try, but. It, it's not going to work. The very fact that you all are here doing this with us right now tells me that you are Got driven right, enough the right attitude, to, yeah. to get where you need to go. That, that community thing extends as well. I mean, it doesn't stop. You know, I mean, this is, you know, once you're ours, you're ours. You know, well, this we, was amazing at the prosthetics event. You know, there were like <clears throat> 10 people for who, who had I mean, I think, I think, I think at more. one point we were like 15 to... Uh, plus, yeah. uh, multiple years, multiple courses, all hanging out. Grad yeah, multiple years, multiple courses of graduates, mm. all kind of hanging out and getting on, and all talking about the jobs that they're doing. Oh, we, oh, we're doing this next. You know, I'll give you a ring. And it's it, that community extends oh, beyond. And it's know, behind us is the wall of fame. This is for, because it's the VFX side. But these are across the years the VFX graduates that graduated and got top jobs in industry, so leading studios, Oscar winning studios. And if you start at that end, that's near 10 years. So a lot of those guys are now senior or supervisor level. And these guys are junior, just, just left and graduated. And so everyone that works really hard and becomes part of that community goes up on the wall, like if, if there's a success story behind them. And it's perfect because I, I tell students all the time, you know, if you, if you like to watch movies and you should, and television programs, uh, Watch the credits. Don't you know when the lights come up in the theater? Don't just get up and, and leave. Watch the credits because the people whose jobs you want to have, their names are going to be scrolling by there, yeah. and they're all on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Yeah, and they're reachable. You want to be getting kicked out by the cleaners at the end. You know, the ones yeah. that well, Marvel movies are making you do that anyway. So. <laughs> Oh yeah, of course. Sit something at the end of it. But these are the people you want to reach out to and and ask advice. You know, the best way to not get work in the industry is to say, "Oh my God, Mr. So and So or Ms. So and So, I love your work. Are you looking for anybody?" <laughs> but if you that's that's <clears throat> no. But if you say, "Oh my God, your work is so inspiring to me," 
would you be able to take a look at my work and tell me how I can improve this? And so right. they'll, sure. yeah. they'll, you, they'll give you some suggestions. You make those changes based on their suggestions and show them that work again. They may not be looking for anybody at the moment, but when they are, you're going to be at the top of that list. You've just demonstrated perfect employment skills, like reacting to feedback, managing your ego, communicating well. Mm. Ding, ding, That's ding, how ding. to get a job. Right. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about uh, the, the, the act of building confidence? Because if you, if you feel like you don't have confidence, then obviously you need to work on it. Um, I guess practice exposing yourself to things that would make you in a safe way, like taking on little jobs or being involved in things. What do we think about that? Because I think that's really important. If you know, like you'll be in a group of people, you'll know people who are really confident and you may feel like you're not. And it might be, uh, you know, one of the portfolio um, surgeries we did uh, was someone who was quite talented, quite skilled, um, you know, would be considered a mature student now still felt kind of overwhelmed looking at all the people on Instagram and all the influencers and how many, it seemed like there was a direct correlation between people who have massive amounts of followers who are not particularly talented, but they're just doing something that's attracting people's attention. And so they feel like, what's the point in me doing this amazing thing I can do if I've only got sort of 500 followers? It's like, yeah, but the thing you're doing is really good. You just need to learn some marketing skills to present it in a better way. Which is often very different to... It is, and I I think it's, you know, there's a lot of people who are really quite talented. They don't know that what they do is is useful. But because they see people who are online, I don't know, doing whatever, something, you know, outrageous to get views, they think, well, I can't, I'm not going to do that, yeah. so I won't engage in that world at all. Yeah. And so consequently, they're kind of hidden under the radar. Be detrimental I find that with a lot of the first years, though, because the first years come to us with this Instagram following, and they see the final product, and they're like, oh, well, my work's not good enough, because mm. I'm not gaining all these followers, getting this instant gratification, and these likes. So they do feel a bit, they're more harsh on themselves because they don't see themselves at that level. But again, it's like you've got to go through the process of understanding that that's not everything. It's sort of learning the processes, making the mistakes, learning from each other at uni is going to be different than people online. Yes, it's a skewed value system, isn't it? To think that views or likes or followers... It's the gratification that say, I don't know if you guys would agree with this and students would agree with this, but this sort of generation gets more from that instant gratification yeah. Yeah. than they would from really trying and testing and going through the mistakes and understanding them than the lessons. What thing, did yeah. you tell them? Yeah, so we'll go around and give them advice and things and they'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll take it on board. They might really like really take it on board and try again or they'll just sort of, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if they put it on Instagram, they'll be like, oh, well, I've just posted this makeup that I've done and I've got 18 likes in like a few seconds. Oh, this this is great. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, but like develop it, go through the process, understand how you can improve it for next time. Ask your classmates, ask the lecturers. There's a few first years in my class today doing sculpture burns. I said, go ask Todd and Stu what they think of it. No, no, I can't do that. But they'll put it on Instagram and they'll get it. It's, 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 Qualifying your validation is, and, and I think the, the problem with with your generation, guys, um, you know, you get, you know, your your validation is almost paper thin. You're getting these, you know, these these instant kind of likes and shares, and you know, this social media is it's not a qualified validation. Whereas you put it in front of someone like Todd or Stu, mm-hmm. it's 
it's worth more. The waiting on that validation yeah. is much different. So you know, a thousand likes could be nothing compared to one person's opinion. And I think that, I think it's very difficult to understand that when you've grown up in that world where, I think we grew up in a world where we were protected that from, from that just, for it a just wasn't, time. It wasn't an option. I made shit in my bedroom. Yeah. You know, I, I made things that, that nobody really knew about. They didn't get it because no. I had to search for information in the back of books. And, no, you know, but also if you did something embarrassing, it wasn't captured on film yeah. Yeah. for your really? eternal humiliation. I am so <laughs> glad the internet didn't exist when I was in college. Uh, I, don't think, <laughs> I, I don't think I would have made it. Honestly, I don't think I would have... I've got so much respect for you guys. I reckon I'd have, like, yeah, it's a pretty sticky end. Like, I'd have really struggled. Like... But but also you've got you've got to bear in mind places like ArtStation, places like Instagram, you are seeing the final product yeah. every single time. And that is almost toxic. Like mm-hmm. because you're never understanding the battle, the process, the journey that went into it. You're just seeing uh, I'm actually it's doing a talk on the as well. And filtered and adjusted. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing a, a talk on the seventh of December, which is intimidation to inspiration, which is effectively saying that a very, very good piece of student work if displayed in the wrong way to other students will intimidate them like because they'll just go I will never be able to achieve that but if you deconstruct that work and go what is what is this made up of what what was the journey what how is this element done how's that element solved you can create a whole story that becomes an inspiring one if that makes sense and I, I do think it is actually very dangerous just looking at final products and that's what Instagram is doing it's just presenting to you the final thing and deliberately hiding all of the the wrinkles, the cobwebs, yeah, quite literally sometimes. If I judge my if I judge my work on the basis of some of the things that I see on the internet, on on uh, on Instagram, you know, I would I would go get a work at a, at a <laughs> give up straight at a hamburger joint. And yeah, I just you're, give up straight away. You're, you're uh, always, you can't you can't judge yeah. your yourself by what anybody else is doing. Nothing. And anybody except what you're doing. And with, within seconds, you will find someone who will destroy you in each field. Like any field that you want to get good at. You want to get good at painting. You want to get good at texturing. You want to get good at modeling. Just one search, bang. Never be as good as that. Never yeah, be there are bad reviews of the best books ever written on Amazon. <laughs> 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 we talked a little bit about this last night with the, the Dunbar's number thing. Like Our societies are not meant to be as big as they are. You know, sort of... Um, as, as human, as a, as a species, we're supposed to live in groups yeah. of around 150 to 200 people. Within that number, you could potentially be the fastest runner or the best singer or the best artist. You have now role. our society yeah. is billions of people and Rick Baker's one of them, so fuck, I'm not going to be the best artist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's really difficult to kind of come to terms with that and it's... You know, we talked about the, the, the dilemma of being an artist, and we talk about it a lot in, in classes, you know, keeping mentally kind of on top of things, accepting that sometimes, you know, I think it's great that we work in an industrial environment, so it's industrial art. This work's not mine. I can dis- disconnect a little bit. I don't have to invest emotionally, but you still do. Mm. So managing how you emotionally interact with things. And I think the, the, the social media side of things is a, another aspect of that. You know, if we choose or if we are not able to kind of compartmentalize the validation we get from that. Now, I love Instagram. I love it when I get lots of likes. I don't understand how it works. I'm old. Um, but, I, you know, I, I enjoy that paper thin validation. But, I know but it's not that, the only validation yet. But, yeah, I know that that's not yeah. what yeah. nourishes me. Yeah. I, what nourishes me is, is, is my, my fight, you know, my, my daily battle with, with me, with being better. 
you know, every time I, I you know, meaningfully interact with clay, be it digital or practical, uh, I'm pushing and I'm pushing hard and I'm picking up the things that I do wrong and I'm kicking my own ass, but I'm also really fucking proud of the results that come out of it, even though I know next time it's going to be better. And that's, it's trying to find that balance and understanding that the, the validation you get from here is, it's, you know, it, it can be helpful and it is nice, but it's not everything. And I, mm. I think that's a really difficult thing for... Yeah, just be careful how you interact with, with social media and with that sort of, yeah. Um, I think age comes into it as well, because mm. I can trust that when I get older, well, as I get older, um, I'll gain, like, skills, I'll get better at it. But when I'm looking on Instagram, there's like a 13-year-old that has, like, way better skills than me. It's just like, they're already way ahead of me. But, again, that's, I think there's something false about that in that you don't know what happened in that person's life to help get them to that, to that, point. In that area. Yeah. Yeah. You're, not, you're not getting the whole story. But I don't know what you mean. They're an outlier, but you have been made aware of them in a way that you wouldn't have been had yeah. they not able to, to, to broadcast their amazing ability. And there's only so much they can do with that ability. It's not like it's, taking, it's not a zero-sum game where if they get to do something, that means no one else can do that thing. It's, but, it, yeah. but it is intimidating because you're not replacing that with other kinds of validation yeah. necessarily yet. You know, you still want to go through and your thing. So if I think that person is that good at something at 13, yeah. there they, may well they be they other areas they're not balanced in, like yeah. that you never that see. Person, that may be as good as that person's ever going to get. I think it's also when you're just when you're scrolling, you keep on scrolling, you're seeing loads of different artists, and you're just like, what's my point, man? Like, there's already loads of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop scrolling. I'm so confused. No, no, it's great similar, to talk about it. It's kind of like. Everyone's journeys at different paces, though, isn't it? You said journeys. But everyone's timeline is different, so people get to different points at different times. It's like with me, like personal life, like my friends are buying houses and having babies, and I'm just like not there. So it like it's even with like creativity, like you'll start at different points. Someone will be miles ahead in the sculpting, but you might be miles ahead in the moment. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah, there there are people that do that stuff, and they just. Yeah, life, life gets they won't be producing like that all their life at some point yeah. their parents are going to get sick or you know they want to have kids or they'll, they'll, they'll do something different and, and their priorities will shift we've had students that have pushed really really hard at art and they've just not quite got it by third year but every single time they talk about it and explain it I'm like you're articulating it you're understanding the process you're you're, you know, when you see it in other people like you're doing really well and their people skills are so strong and it's like well, why don't you just take all this knowledge and take like a production route, go into some sort of element where you're working with artists, you're working with people, and those guys are getting hired so quickly off this course because they've got all the training in VFX, they understand what VFX is, but they are really good with people. So if you, if you take someone from production, say from film or something like that, they come into the VFX world and they don't have, un, they don't have any idea what a deadline, you know, how long does it take you to model that? I have no idea. Like, you know, but even if you aren't great at modeling it because you've been through the course and you understand it, you have a good idea of roughly how much support that person would need, what, what they could deliver by. And then you have other skills like people skills, social skills, whatever it is. So there's opportunities everywhere. And I think... A showrunner and a line producer. And there's so many things. Yeah, exactly. There's for all sorts. And if you just stay passionate and you stay engaged and you stay talking to people, you stay communicating, like we've talked about, 
and you build that confidence slowly, there will be an opportunity for you. Like you, you honestly can bludgeon down the door of this industry. Like if if you don't if you don't sort of get disheartened and give up. Like I mean, so. but you have to stay alert. You know, you've got to be able to recognize yeah. those, those opportunities mm. uh, and not be so tunnel vision, head down, doing your work that you don't see these things come along. Got to be clever. Listen yeah. and, and and watch and pay attention to everything. Yeah, um, I think there's also that difficulty that knowing there are so many people in this industry now that, like, are now a year and that will be going into the industry, and just that looming anxiety of, um, am I good enough to be noticed? Um, is my portfolio? We all feel that. You'll feel that way, but, but I think the other thing is you don't you you don't see how many of them are getting used up. Like yeah. the amount is re that is required. And yeah, as well, I do understand you know? that there's there are so many jobs like. It yeah. might not be exactly what you think that you want to go into, but it'll be yeah, kind of in thing. that line. I'm that's still right. trying to decide what I want to do when I grow up. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, think, so. I think with, with this, it's a, there's a little element of you can only control what you can control. So you, you, I mean, it's great to look out into the wider world and go, you know, wow, constantly producing these wonderful fonts. You know, there's a lot yeah, of joy there. There's a lot of joy, yeah. But you can't, you can't compare yourself. You would never compare yourself to Rebecca because you're not insane. I yeah. just can't wait to but get to the point where I'm like, I am retired and I can do whatever I want. Don't wish you youth away. No, no, no. Be your age. You'll just be dragged by. Right? Yeah. Your back will hurt. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You're all mad. You can only do you. So make you the best you you can be. That's the thing. You've got to compare yourself to how you were last. Yeah, yeah, not 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 how somebody is today. That's, that's and the industry is fully fully set up to accept people of all levels of experience. Yeah, you're not going to go on and have to do the hero sculpt for the film that because Rick Baker's retired. Like you know, you, that will never you, you'll be you know supported and there'll be much simpler. Roles yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, you don't, you don't they don't just leave leave your lump of clay and say right, see you in two weeks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah, I think that's where a lot of anxiety comes from. Like you, you will. Be given simple, sometimes mundane tasks to, to, to test you to out, prove which you will ace to, because you've been here. Exactly, <laughs> build your confidence, I and as you do, you'll get to know people. You'll make those connections, and then the next opportunity will grow very naturally. Like all you've got to get from university is that that equipment, that background, that that sort of mentality that equips you for the start of the industry. And then your journey will continue in industry. You know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know what makes me why you're here? Like, we're it. sitting here right now. Somewhere amongst our generation will be the Rick Bakers that will grow could up be, to be. Yes. Could be in yeah. this room. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's really strange to think to sit here and think. It's not me. What's going to happen in <laughs> 20, 30 years when we're, some of us might be in your position? Yeah. And to will. think. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. And Just make sure you come back to a university like these guys are doing, yeah. and, and inspire inspire the next generation. And things are getting phenomenally good. I mean, you look at like you know what was considered an outstanding makeup thirty years ago. I mean, like little big band stuff is an amazing makeup, but there are age makeups now that are better. Dare I say it? Do you mm -hmm. think? And hundred year old man. And technically, but they're only better because Dick Smith did that then, yeah. and that was top of the range then. Yeah. And it's just like. We you know, on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, you know, the, the 100 metres is getting beaten all the time because people are using that training and finessing and shaving off hundreds of the second, but a lot. It keeps happening a hundred of the second until it gets beaten down. So you're going to reach, you know, 
there isn't really a peak with this. It just gets better and better and better. I mean, you rarely see... I mean, even in like things like Doctor Who, like a relatively low-budget show, there's some pretty decent visual effects in yeah, it compared to now. what yeah. you would have had in movies 10 years ago. Yeah. You know? uh, and so it's never going to... And, and <laughs> those movies that have all that visual effects, there's a lot of practical stuff <laughs> because I think one thing that I've noticed is slightly off topic because of the confidence thing but a lot of stuff now is considered within the realm of digital so it's not like you guys in digital are looking for more things to do because you're already going to be featured in every frame anyway do you mean so if something can be done practically and we can get it in camera could we please so we don't have to fucking clean it up I I think that's these days that that competitive edge is gone the best companies are collaborating they are working together like you know whether West, West Digital were to workshop you know that sort of model where the best solution comes from both sides working to their strengths. Did, you don't want to be working on something digitally where you're like, if this had been done practically, it would have been so much better. Like, and, and that's kind of what Star Wars went through, like in a, in a journey with some of the stuff where it's sort of like, okay, we're, we're learning about how far you can push these things now. And, and the, it's always a balance. Like, you know, whatever skill set, whatever director you have, you've got a James Cameron, he's got a VFX background, he might lean more that way to solve some of his his problems just because of his own background but the solution is always going to lie with you know the strengths of both areas collaborating and it is never uplifting doing something that you know should have been done another way and it would have been done better like mm. if you know what I mean but I, I love it when you have the the digi doubles of practical effects so you've got a practical effect and it's a practical effect for loads of it and every now and again it does something that you just can't do and then the digi double comes in there and yeah. and you've got the workflow where it's either a digital sculpt that's then 3D printed and then made into a practical piece or it's a practical piece that's then scanned and that's the starting point for the digital piece yeah. and you've got that wonderful synergy going on. And like, you can have a very real hand in that digi-double from the practical, it's not yeah. this clear division where they're yeah. separated. It's like we sculpted something in ZBrush, we give it to you guys. Yeah, and then it goes backwards and forwards, yeah. it's feedback from both sides. Like, you know, digital person comes up with something, practical person goes, well, guy's got to get in there in a suit, like, that's all got to work. Like, like, example of... Uh, <clears throat> Practical and digital. Yeah. There's so many cool examples. That is definitely one of them. And, you know, I think that's where the most exciting work comes. And, you know, it's most rewarding in industry. And it's most important to have that awareness of what the other fields of of film effects can do. So, you know, otherwise, if you you only learn VFX, you're going to try and solve everything with VFX. And that's not intelligent. These are just tools, right? Yeah, exactly. You you pick the right tool for the right job. I think one of the things I love, we mentioned this earlier, the, the, as a, the practical effects, digital effects thing. Um, the practical effects are, are, are kind of like the meat of my meal. They, they're the things that sustain me. They, 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 they fulfill me. And, you know, I get a real nice reaction, vis- visceral reaction to them. The digital effects are the spice. You know, if I just ate spice, I'd be real sick. And we went through that in the 90s a little bit. You yeah. know, we, we were throwing mm. VFX at everything and, and it, it didn't work. Disaster if I movies. just had practical effects, very life would be bland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think you know this 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 kind of balance between the two. You know, yeah, you can throw a bit of extra spice in for some fire. Yeah, you can kind of have a nice meaty stew and it's you know comforting and warm. And I think that's where the balance is when we when we kind of use both of these things super effectively to to complement each other. Something that um, I noticed as well is, and I, I get the same. Like I started on a film earlier this year, and I. The first week felt like a complete fraud, surrounded by these amazing sculptors. 
And it's what's weird is, you know, when everyone sort of goes home and, you know, you kind of look and you can look at everyone's sculpts. Because you know how to sculpt and you know how to do things. And these are the things you can do practically here now to get better. Then when you see amazing sculpture, you can go up to it and look at it and you can see that it's a sculpt. You actually, now I remember this when I was on my first ever job when I left college and I got to watch, you know, people work. You can actually see, oh, that's sculpted skin texture. That's... I can see that it's a sculpt. I can see the little indentations, but they're indentations that look like skin pores, or I can see that they're supposed to be skin pores, and there's enough of them that they, they, they yield that illusion. But it's like, but you can see that it's sculpted. So you kind of make that connection and go, oh, this amazing person just makes dents in clay. I can make dents in clay, so I can do it better. So you stop separate, and when you see the finished things, what you were saying, you kind of get this amazing finished polish routine, but actually, if you were sitting through the rehearsals, and you do the rehearsals too, you could do that too. Yeah, there's nothing. So you, you see those steps, and that's why I think it's really important to, to, that's why I love the process of these things, is because like you were saying about your mold is broken, there's a series of steps that you take, and if you do these things, you get a result that works. It's just doing those things. And maybe you don't know what they are, but they are knowable. And once you know that and you really believe it, you're less intimidated, you are instead inspired, which is what you're saying, where you go, this is really cool. And so instead of thinking that's something that can't be done, we go, well, clearly it can. And were I able to watch the replay of that? I mean, I do watch some, there's, I can't remember, there's HE77 or something, there's a sculptor, uh, uh, and, and she's done these amazing ZBrush anime kind of sculpts, and they're, they're kind of sped up, sped up. turns out sculpts. And I'm like, I don't know what right. happened, but I bet if we were in the room together and she yeah. showed me what she was doing, I could go, I know that tool, I know that, oh, it's just yeah. that shape there, but done expertly because you've done that a thousand so sped times. Sped up and edited. Yeah. And edited. So all the, all the work where they went a yeah. bit wrong, and oh God, I'm just going to reload from three versions before. <laughs> like, you don't see any of that. But it, it, it's like, wow, it is, it is intimidating, like you're saying, but yeah. at the same time, it is knowable. Yeah, and so definitely. your job is to pick it apart because everything and one of the things I've often said that I think works is that everything that's complicated tends to be layers of simplicity yeah. laying on top of each yeah. other and your job really is to be at first impressed with the finished thing yeah. but then forensically go back and start unpicking it and yeah. figure out what the first thing was that was done layer by layer and it, it, it's often far simpler than you think it's just beautifully yeah. arranged because the world's best novels still use the same 26 letters that I use you know, to yeah. apologise for doing something stupid. So, you know what I mean? It's, just, it's the same thing. It, it, it's true. And if you get a longer novel, it's not harder to read. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. more layers of yeah. complexity. And that's, that's where, as soon as you don't understand something and that thing starts to layer up and layer up and layer up, it does become unachievable. But, yeah, so you don't you start know, with a novel. Start with a short story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I always say to my students, like, you know, if you understand what a brick is, you build a wall. You're not going to be intimidated by the wall. It's just lots of bricks put on top of each other. And if you have a house, well, that's just an extension of that. It's very natural. But if you didn't understand what a brick was, as these buildings got bigger and bigger and bigger, it would become overwhelming and, and difficult to, to engage with. So, yeah, mm-hmm. the thing is to deconstruct it, find the building blocks, understand them. And then when you rearrange them and build them back up again, it won't be so so. So daunting. Yeah, which is why when you see something on Instagram that's kind of crappy but covered in blood and everyone's going, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> and then you see like a completely realistic, flawless nose sculpted by like some top artist. You're like, oh my God, that's incredible. And yeah. no one likes it. Yeah. Because they don't know what they're looking at. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's a good example of like, yeah, but you know, the five people that like that are probably the ones that pay you 10 grand to have it made. Yeah. So it's, it's like... You know it's the mean? reason I have a sharp intake of breath at inappropriate moments in a movie. Like, because <laughs> you see something on a film and it's so staggeringly well done. I'm like, 
But everyone oh, else who doesn't understand the VFX didn't realise that something happened. Doesn't even see that. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm like, there's a silence. Now <gasps> I was like, is he okay? Like, you know, sort of like, it's yeah. just because it was so beautiful. Like, yeah. you know, but you know, it, as I say, with compositing and VFX, it's like if you showed your grandma, then it'd be something on the lines of like, oh, what did you do on this? I did that. What exactly? Like, you know, the yeah, whole point a, is you never see it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you show somebody your work and, and they, don't, they can't. They, they didn't realise. Did. Yeah, they didn't yeah. realise you did something. Like, but ultimately, quite unrewarding. Ninety <laughs> percent like, of the audience didn't realise something happened. So. I mean, it's probably better than doing a really, really elaborate practical effect and someone going, "Ooh, nice VFX." Ooh, yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that happened. That, because you do hear people like just horrible word, but just laymen. Do you know what I mean, people might see something and go, "Oh, oh I thought well, they, they did it on the yeah, computer." I hear that all the time. They just assume if it happens on screen, it must be computer. It must now be Someone computer. goes to the throat cap, it must be a digital I didn't realise they did that practically. And it's like, and sometimes it makes of both, but mm. it's like, but, but it is, but it is, because a lot of it's just NDA stuff. I can't show what I do on things. Yeah. So I, I do these video tutorials and stuff when I can, because I really like explaining the process. Wow, so, about so we're, it, we're all miserable so, yeah. <laughs> so people don't realise we did anything and then the practical guys are all being told that it, oh I thought that was VFX yeah, like, yeah, like, so no one's really happy that's so. why yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but no but you enjoy your work no. yeah. 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 it's that amazing thing well, it's honestly it's about doing it's about it's about doing something creative and being seen by the right people that's yeah. the thing yeah. that matters my mum and dad said the only thing they want no, you're not entitled to a screen credit. If you come across the VFX, you're much more likely to get credits. We get more, for the companies, we get more screen space, though. We get put right at the very end, yeah, like right at the end. Like cool. after the second teaser trailer for the next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that is a cultural thing. That the first shift with that was Gravity. If you watched Gravity, Sandra Bullock and George Clooney floating around in space, and I watched the credits at the end, and I almost missed the VFX credits because they were put so early because it was just so much to do with VFX that actually yeah. they got the credits moved earlier above. But normally it's all the, you know, the... The film, camera crew, sound crew, the pets, the everything else, the cleaning, the, and then the effects. The effects there are probably six people for every name you do see on screen. Absolutely. Aren't you're, yeah. least. you're still drawing lots even in VFX, so they actually will. You, you pick pick oh. something out to see whether your name goes up on that, and then they sometimes they try and remember that for the next one, so if you miss that credit, you get the next but one. But Pixar will put the name of every child born doing in production. Born during production. That kid didn't even work on it. You got a credit. Musicians who played on the score. I played on the score. Wow. Like. Yeah, that's a lot of my question. When I did it, I got really nervous because, like, I know I've like watched a lot of your videos and everything like that, and I've followed like all three of your yours work and my vision kind of blurred halfway through when he was talking. I was like, ooh, and then he was like, speak up more, and I was like. I can't. I'm doing the best I can, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, things like that—that's the start of confidence. You know, it's actually self, being brave yeah. enough to say, you know, to ask that question, yeah. to put your hand up, and then, and then, yeah, all right, maybe you nearly died halfway through, but <laughs> you made it. You'll be see you next time. So the next time, you do it, the easier you know, it's going to get. You, you know, that's how we build confidence. Yeah. It's you know, 
it's how do you eat an elephant? A little bit <laughs> at a time. Right, that's right. You know, if you yeah. just take it step by step, and you know, you guys will grow, or you'll invent bits of your persona that are pretty good at this. I'm not a naturally confident person, but you know, I can stand in front of you guys and have a good chat because I've invented a version of Rick that that enjoys it. And part of me, of, 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 we've started to merge together a little bit now, so I do kind of enjoy hanging out with you. But you do definitely, <laughs> as you get older, I think you do grow, you, you build up a, a confidence that's not based on what other people think. Yeah. I'm definitely yeah, more confident. If, I, think if I get like, that from my work. If definitely. it moves in a positive way, then yeah. yeah. It's something like, that comes it, with time, yeah. like wisdom. Yeah. No, in yeah. my case, not so much. I know <laughs> oh, it's it's very important to understand that that knowledge and that experience exists uh, because something it's the other side of confidence. I don't necessarily think is relevant to this, but sometimes when students they learn all the techniques, they go in a third year. I know all the techniques, and then they go into industry and it's sort of like right. I think we should do this by the you know like this, and it's and it's great because they're informed by all your techniques and all the things you've learned, but. They're not informed by years and years and years of doing projects and projects and projects. And some people, a senior person, they may well go, I think we should do it this way. And it's very important that you listen when they say that because they might not even understand why they are making that decision. But what they have behind them is eons of experience. Like, and you know, that I am, um, there's a chap called Eamon Butler who, who works at Cinesite who was an old Disney animator. And he's been in the industry sort of 30 years, sort of thing at least. So as a 21-year-old, you're going into an interview and everything you ever did in your life, you, you, you learned to walk, you learned to talk, you went to school, you played some football, you learned chemistry, you sat your GCSEs, you did your A-levels, you got over. All of that fits in just to a small part of his experience in the industry. Like, that is inconceivable. And if, you know, if anything comes across as arrogant or if you come across it anyway, if you think you know it at that stage, that's a big warning flag to them that, okay, arrogance is just this person's, you know, openness to learning has closed. Yeah, you know, it's not, it's not in any way, you know, the difference between confidence and arrogance is very important. Like, and, you know, you've just got to go in there and just try and absorb as much as you can from these people because they have a, a, like an intangible experience that mm -hmm. you, can, you cannot get it any other way. You just have to live it. You will live, never yeah. know everything. Yeah, you can't you can't learn it all. You just have to exist with it. And we mm. can't teach you that. Like, you know, this is when you come here, it's that's that's the sort of the effort, the trying. That's what builds that side of you. Like, you know, if, if I figured out a way to teach that, I wouldn't be here. I'd, I'd have gone and solved it somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You yeah. may have learned everything you know from these guys, but you don't know everything they know. You need to learn how to learn. One thing I would recommend, I mentioned it yesterday, but you may not have been there, was a podcast I listened to called The Blind Boy Podcast. Anyone yeah. listen to yeah. that? Yeah. It's so good. He talks a lot about mental health. And one of the things he goes on about is an, an internal locus of evaluation where you don't let the outside. In some ways, like he's written some books and he was saying, you know, when he gets good reviews, he feels really good about it. But he's very careful because equally, you're, you're, you're giving that, that, that power to external influences. Yeah. So if you say I'm good, I feel good. But that also means if I see a shitty review, I feel bad. Whereas yeah. you should kind of know what's good and bad. And it's more, more a case of I don't like what you've done rather than it is shit. But people don't say that. They just say what they don't like. And so you end up feeling bad because they didn't like it. Well, it's not for you. Another one, Scroobius Pitt. I'm going to listen to... Um, He's a, he's a rapper, he's a, he has a stammer, and he overcame it. He, well, he still has it, but he, you know, he does a lot of spoken word stuff as a, as a career. Yeah. And uh, he has a range of uh, sub, um, 
uh, like merch and on it the, the logo or the tagline on it says this may not be for you and that's okay <laughs> it's just like do you know what I mean it's like but most people go oh, I don't like it therefore it's shit and it's like okay fair. and it might be shit you might do something shit but that doesn't mean it's true in a, so. in a creative scene that, that subtle use of language is just so important like if you say no you're wrong you are attacking the person and saying they are wrong if you're saying oh I see what you've done here but could we maybe explore this you're now not attacking them you're attacking you're, you're discussing you know you're accepting responsibility like I feel that maybe we could do that you're putting the emphasis on it's you that would like to maybe explore this variation it's not them that are wrong as a person it's and that, constructive, that yeah you're saying the same thing but just having a non-confrontational language is in a creative environment with a team is so important and that there are there are some people that are very good at it, and there's some people that aren't. But if it's something that you can consciously try and develop, it will really, really help you. There's a good book about it as well. What's it called? Do you remember? Uh, nonviolent communication. Yes. Nonviolent so, so communication. To clarify yeah. here, from a, an academic point of view, if I say to a student, "It's a bit shit," and it that's not good. I've just got to go off and uh, redo some assessment. Guys. <laughs> Firstly, well done for putting up with my fucking tirade for getting to that Bolton thing. If you listen to yeah, both of those we, fully, we well kind of wandered all over the place there. We did, but. um I appreciate you guys listening. <laughs> Sticking with it. Yeah, let, give us some feedback. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So you can leave us a voice message on our on the website, battleswithbitsofrubber.com, or send us an email at stewartandtodd at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We always love to hear from you. And you can leave oh, us a voice message already on our website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we hope you keep listening. Thank and tell, tell your friends. Yes, please. That, I mean, that's one of the biggest things that we can do. I mean, we don't have a Patreon or anything like that. We don't have advertisers. So we pay for all of this ourselves and we give up the time to do it, which I enjoy doing. But if you were wondering how you could support us, I think if you could just tell one person, like if a hundred people listen to this and you tell someone that you think might be interested, that's a hundred new people that might find us, you know, that, 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 that helps us along. So yeah. yeah, if you want to do us a solid and you like what we're doing and you don't think we're complete pricks, we'll certainly maybe you can think i'm a prick because i do go off i I can understand that but if 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 you if you want to support us and show some love then 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 tell somebody new about us so we we are shown to more people that would help yeah oh hey hey uh, before we before we go completely uh, there's there's a marmite update all right yeah should we tell the story did we tell the story about this i think we did yeah yeah with me thinking it was butter Anyway, looking at the package, I, it was, yeah. yeah, I am a Marmite devotee. I have now, oh, I because I, I was shopping here in Atlanta for some last minute Christmas stocking stuffers, and at the Publix Market near the complex where my folks live, there's an entire in, on the international foods aisle. There is an entire UK section, and there was Marmite. He's like. I'm so annoyed that you found this out too late that I couldn't have bought you or you could have bought some while we were here because it's so yeah. cheap here. It's so good. I mean, oh a little goes God. a long way though, right? You don't yeah, need much, a little go, so. a little goes a long way. But we had um, my my brother-in-law is a, is a chef as as is my sister and we had lamb chops for dinner Christmas night. 
And, you know, I love lamb chops with, with mint jelly, but we had vegetables and, and mashed potatoes and, and lamb chops. And I said, no, I'm gonna, I bet you Marmite might taste good with the potatoes. Well, I can tell you a little bit of Marmite with the lamb. Unfucking real. <laughs> That's so cool. Oh my God. There are going to yeah, be so, people listening to this though, who know Marmite and decide they don't like it and they'll hate that. So for these yeah, well, people, I apologize. Know, but that's, that's okay. You know, to each his own or to each yeah. their own. Do you know okay. where Marmite is from originally? Do you know what it was? Oh, uh, isn't that, wasn't it kind of like sludge from the bottom of a, a Bach beer barrel? Yeah. It's a, it's a dick. It's, it's a dick. It's a, a <laughs> let me try that again. Marmite. <laughs> I'm keeping that in. So to speak. <laughs> Marmite is a dark, thick yeast extract spread, right? It's made from concentrated yeast extract, which is a byproduct from brewing beer. Not from your dick. No, not from your dick. I mean, if there's a yeasty extract in your dick, that's probably something he's looking at. It you was don't conceived... want to smear that on anything edible. No, it was conceived in 1902 by the Marmite when the Marmite Food Company opened a small factory in Burton-on-Trent, where it still resides today. So, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's a it's a byproduct of brewing, but yeah, it's, I love it. It's delicious, I you know, like it and, on toast. And, and the twiglets are one of my favorite snacks. I hope we can I can find twiglets over here. We'll have to ship you a care package over, maybe. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was disgusting. I apologize. Yeah. If you don't like marmite, and my disgusting mouth now doesn't help, it's, it's a horrible cluster of awfulness. So I apologize. Keep listening, just for my sake. There you go. Hey, we hope you have a happy new year. Hope that 2022 will, will be a better year for us all. Um, I would prefer not to have a repeat of 20 of this year. Yeah, man. Here's to good things. Let's work to make things better. Let's do what we can to make things better. Yeah. And I hope we get to see all of you in person sometime in the coming year. Yeah, man. That'd be awesome. Maybe go to uh, monster palooza or something. Yeah. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. Get your butt over here. Okay. I'll do what I can. All right, buddy. All right. I'll talk to you soon. No worries, man. Take care. Cheers. Bye. That's cool. I'm going to end meeting for all now. Okay. Yeah, that was, that was fantastic. Cheers, buddy. I'll speak to you soon. Okay. Bye. Take care, man. I'll I'll call you when I get home. Okay. Take care, man. Have a good day. You too. Bye. You can get in touch through our Facebook page or email us at stuartandtodd at gmail.com. Check the show notes for more information. If you enjoyed this episode, tell someone else and help us grow by sharing it on social media. Thanks for listening.